This Week in Agriculture, a production of the Red River Farm Network. With a look at markets, I'm Randy Conan. USDA surprised the grain trade on Thursday's supply-demand report, increasing corn production, domestic use, and ending stocks in the November report. Corn production was raised 170 million bushels to 15.2 billion bushels on a nearly two bushel per acre increase up to 174.9 bushels per acre. The increase in production more than offset usage with ending stocks climbing 45 million bushels to 2.2 billion bushels. Season average corn farm price lowered 10 cents, 4.85 per bushel. Soybean outlook included increased soybean production and ending stocks. Soybean production forecast at 4.13 billion bushels, up 25 million on higher yields. USDA increased soybean yield to 49.9 bushels per acre. Average season soybean price unchanged, $12.90 a bushel. USDA bumped wheat ending stocks as well by lowering domestic use. They left exports unchanged and increased imports. USDA raised supplies by 10 million bushels to 145 million. Season average farm price was lowered 10 cents a bushel at $7.20 per bushel. Total Farm Marketing Market Advisor John Heinberg says carryout was above market expectations, which caused a negative reaction to the market. So with that, we've broken to a new a new low on the December corn here for the fall. We are still trading negative, but at least holding that area as of now. And so it means three-tenths of a yield adjustment to the higher side. So again, maybe that was a little bit disappointing. The market thought it would at least would hold steady in that regard. Uh, but no changes on the demand side of the equation, so just going to hold status quo there. So because of that increased yield, we saw carryout move up to 245 million bushels, about 24 million bushels of what the market was anticipating, 25 million above last month. Corn acreage in Brazil is expected to be down from last year. Dry weather in the center north and north has delayed soybean planting, thus narrowing the planting window for second crop corn. Soybean and Corn Advisor President Michael Cordonier says corn economics in Brazil also has farmers looking for alternatives. It's uh, the prices are break even at best, so you got low prices, um, late planting for the corn, and just a lot of guys saying I'm going to either cut back my acreage or I'm going to put in less inputs for the corn crop because they just can't make any money at it. And they lost a lot of guys lost some money on the last Safina corn crop. And uh, they don't want to repeat that. Cordonier says it's going to be a tough decision for Brazil's farmers. Cattle markets saw had a tough week this week as well. Global Commodity Analytics and Consulting President Mike Zuzolo said we saw some light short covering in the livestock following the massive sell-off this week. Very little short covering at this point. We're, we're under you know the program selling of the funds, in my opinion. The best thing we have going for us is a fat cattle price that in the cash market that is about $7 over, $8 over where we're sitting in December futures. Cattle futures did see some light gains on Friday as trades, uh, traders covered their short positions. U.S. Commodities President Don Rose said the futures market was chasing the cash cattle market. Cash cattle market dropped uh, huge this week, you know, end up trading uh, several dollars lower, 179 180 to end the week. And uh, technically, just uh, some old, stale longs uh, getting out of the market. I would say that's it. Uh, consumer demand, uh, you know, we're just not seeing that big push up this time of year. 
And that's a look at markets this week in agriculture. I'm Randy Conan. In a world where the right seed makes all the difference. There's a program that supports those who served. Introducing Proceeds Right Stuff program for veterans. From seed to success, we're here every step of the way. Need seed, think proceed. Proceed.net. Specialty crop markets are special and require more digging than corn, soybeans, or wheat. We do that digging, talking to numerous crop scouts, growers, and processors here in North Harvest. And wherever beans that affect local markets are grown. So follow the dry bean scene every Friday at 1235. Brought to you by North Harvest Bean Growers Association, Johnstown Bean Company, Baristo Herbicide from BASF, SRS Commodities, and Heads Up Plant Protectants. With a look at farm news this week in agriculture, I'm Sierra Doctor here on the Red River Farm Network. House Agriculture Committee Ranking Member David Scott is calling for a one-year farm bill extension. The Georgia Democrats said his colleagues are committed to passing a strong, effective farm bill as soon as possible. However, Scott said farmers should not be subject to an artificially rushed and hazard farm bill because House Republicans went through a leadership crisis. House Agriculture Committee Chairman Glenn G.T. Thompson wants the Farm Bill extended until the end of September 2024. Thompson made that point during an event in Oklahoma City. Uh, I would love to be able to uh, uh, honor the new speaker when he and his plan uh, out of the House in December, but I, I, you know, I can count numbers and days, and there's just not enough days to, uh, to be able to do that. House Ranking Member David Scott, Senate Aid Committee Chair Debbie Stabenow, and Ranking Member John Bozeman are now on the same page in calling for Farm Bill extension. The State Courts of Appeals for the Ninth Circuit prohibited California's Proposition 65 warning requirements related to glyphosate. National Association of Wheat Growers Executive Director Chandler Gould says the permanent injunction is a win for all farmers who use glyphosate. Well, first and most important, this is a gigantic win for the U.S. wheat growers and for actually all farmers across the United States. This permanent injunction on California's Prop 65 is making sure that we do not have to put a misleading and false label on any products at, at, at in use that had um, uh, glyphosate used during the production system. And we're also just thrilled that this was actually a science-based decision and came down to facts and not emotions. And so that's the that's the biggest plus. This lawsuit has been going on for six years as with Nas being the lead plaintiff against the state of California. Gould says there was no scientific backing that showed glyphosate was unsafe for crop use. I mean, glyphosate continues to be glyphosate continues to be used here in the U.S. and and, and definitely, uh, you know, because we've got the EPA, we've got the Institute of Health, um, and 40 years of safety records showing that this is a safe crop protection tool for us to use. And then even to point out that even more countries that even have stricter regulations, the EU and New Zealand. All have said and studied and researched and said that glyphosate is safe. And so this is going to be a, a, a huge win for us also when you look at sustainability and climate. Had, had we lost this important tool out of our toolbox, we would have had to start tilling up our land again in order to farm. A bipartisan group of senators is asking the Department of Homeland Security and the Labor Department for a 60-day extension for public comment on reforms to the H-2A aid worker program. 
There is concern the DHS and DOL will finalize rules before they can fully determine the impact on agricultural employees. Nearly 30 lawmakers are on the letter to the agencies, including John Hoven and Kevin Kramer from North Dakota and John Thune and Mike Rounds from South Dakota. National Coalition of Agriculture Employers CEO Michael Marsh is working to turn back the Department of Labor ruling that could cost employers thousands of dollars. This rule requires an employee to be paid the base wage for the highest paying tasks they perform for the duration of their contract. It's hard to understand how you're having an adverse effect on a domestic worker when they won't even apply for the job. And these jobs, as I mentioned, pay good, pay very well. In North Dakota, $17.33 an hour. That's pretty doggone good for a rural part of the state, particularly. And one of the other challenges is, uh, I know my county back home in Wyoming, our unemployment rate's about 1.2%. Everybody's employed. You know, we have very few people that, that are unemployed. So, uh, you know, I, how, how in the world are you having an, an adverse effect on anybody? And that's a look at news this week in agriculture. I'm Sierra Doctor on the Red River Farm Network. While the rest of the world is still asleep, the local cafe is coming to life. The coffee's on, the rolls are in the oven, and the regulars are coming in to claim their tables, just like clockwork. Everyone knows that you best be on time or risk paying the price. Even Jack from Choice Bank down the street. All right, all right, coffee's on me. When it comes to choosing a banker, find someone you'd want to grab a coffee with. Choice Bank, top North Dakota ag bank for 10 years running. Keep up to date on this year's harvest right here on the Red River Farm Network. Listen to Harvest Hotline Monday through Friday at 1237 on most of these Red River Farm Network stations. Harvest Hotline is sponsored by Ag Country Farm Credit Services, Amity Technology, and the North Dakota Mill. We'll talk with custom combiners, elevator managers, agronomists, and farmers about harvest progress, yields, and quality. It's Harvest Hotline, a daily feature on the Red River Farm Network. We're reporting agriculture's business. This is a look at weather this week in agriculture on the Red River Farm Network. St. James, Minnesota farmer Harold Woolley says in south-central Minnesota, farmers are pretty well wrapped up with corn harvest. Finished harvest last week. Uh, you know, harvest has been progressing really well in south-central Minnesota. Now, I think we're at 90% or above. There are a few fields left to be done, and most farmers are working on those now. We're doing our tillage and applying fertilizer, so... A lot of anhydrous going on in the area. You know, last week we had a cool down, so our ground temperatures are, are down where that anhydrous application is acceptable. It's been a pretty good fall, a couple of rain delays there. Wooly says yields were a little below average. You know, uh, the, the soybeans, we were pleasantly surprised they were at or above uh, our APHs, and our corn was, uh, was uh, on the other side. It was below APH by 10 to 15%. You know, the weather just was not conducive uh, for an outstanding corn crop this year. And, and, and there were some odd twists in there. You know, we had way too much rain right at planting time, 6 to 10 inches, depending upon the specific location of a farm. And folks, at that point, we had to do replanting. We had four stands. GK Technologies agronomist Sarah Lovis says a second wave of fall field work has started for much of the area she covers. Three, four days before that snow happened, my phone kind of went silent. It was pretty easy to tell that everyone was working really hard on just getting the harvest wrapped up and 
and try to take care of the work that they could do immediately right in front of them before the snow and the cold temperatures hit. Based on how quiet my phone got there for a couple of days, I kind of thought we were going to be finishing up for the year. But um, last week, late last week, my phone started ringing again. And, you know, looking forward, it looks like the temperatures look pretty favorable. And I'm not completely convinced that we've got frozen soils all over the place yet. And so um, I'm I'm kind of up to my eyeballs making soil fertility recommendations. Most of the soybean harvest most of the soybean harvest is wrapped up, but there's quite a bit of corn left. Lovis doesn't believe we're terribly behind on harvest progress. The sunflower harvest is lagging. USDA meteorologist Brad Rippey has the details. For sunflowers, we saw some snow delays, especially in North Dakota. But now with some of that snow melting off, we've seen things picking back up. Nationally, 53% of the sunflowers harvested by November 5th. That is behind the five-year average of 61%. And even further behind last year, 78%. And I mentioned North Dakota. The harvest did advance 10 points during the week to reach 48% by November 5th. That is well behind the five-year average of 62%. The Army Corps of Engineers released a statement saying their water releases from the Gavin's Point Dam at Yankton, South Dakota for the 2023-2024 winter will be slightly higher than last year, which were at the minimum rate. Gavin's Point Dam is set to reduce water releases in late November as navigation slows down. October runoff in the Missouri River Basin was 124% of normal. Another 10 days of warm, hot temperatures are expected for much of central and northern Brazil. World Weather Incorporated says central Mato Grosso northward will see some of the poorest conditions while areas from northern Paraná eastward have enough soil moisture to support crop development. Southern Brazil will continue to be wet with more flooding rains expected. Argentina is expected to see a good mix of rain and sunshine that will allow for favorable crop development. El Nino is delivering weather concerns to the global sugar crop. Dry conditions are threatening India's crop for the second straight year, while heavy rains at the Santos port in Brazil has resulted in shipping delays. Sugar prices are at a multi-year high, reaching levels not seen since 2011. That's your look at weather this week in agriculture. I'm Whitney Pittman, on the Red River Farm Network. Every livestock farmer knows they can't control the weather. Recent growing seasons have shown rain can be hard to come by at times. Now you can add protection with a pasture rangeland forage policy through Egg Country Farm Credit Services. PRF policies help protect you against future yield losses caused by a lack of rain. Better yet, they're customizable and can cover hay and pasture acres. To learn about a PRF policy, Contact your local Egg Country office today. Listen to The Dry Bean Scene every Friday on the Red River Farm Network. Brought to you by the North Harvest Bean Growers Association, Johnstown Bean Company, Baristo Herbicide from BASF, SRS Commodities, and Heads Up Plant Protectants. We'll track this year's crop potential across the country and get industry perspectives on possible market impacts. It's the Dry Bean Scene, every Friday at 12.35 on the Red River Farm Network.